I remember talking out loud to God one day and I said, God, I promise you this, as long as you give me strength, I will make the devil sorry he ever laid a finger on Stella. And my, my dream, I want to build Stella's houses all over the world. Powerful personal story today on First Person as you meet Philip Cameron of Stella's House, rescuing young women in Moldova when the alternative for them is human trafficking. Welcome to First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Before we get to today's guest, allow me to recommend our website to you for several reasons. First, online you'll find an archive of past First Person radio interviews, which you can listen to at any time. Second, at the website you'll find the schedule of upcoming programs. And third, you'll find links to today's guest or any past guest, which you can follow for more information. It's all at firstpersoninterview.com. We're also found on Facebook and Twitter. Until recently, I didn't know about Philip Cameron or the ministry known as Stella's House, but a friend told me about it and sent me Philip's book, They Call Me Dad, which served as a great introduction. When young orphan women in Moldova are turned out of the orphanage, they have nowhere to go or no one to keep them from traffickers who prey on them. Recently, Philip sat down with me in the studio to tell me his story, a story that started with a phone call. I was sitting in my house. I was 37 years of age. I've been in America since I was 13 with my dad. And uh, You're from Scotland. I'm, well, excuse me. <laughs> Isn't everyone from Scotland? <laughs> I just wanted to clarify for those who, whose ears are perked up right now. And I, I live in Alabama. That's really funny. A Scotsman in Alabama. Well, South Scotland, I oh, understand. Lord sure. help us. And uh, the phone rang. It was my dad from Scotland. It didn't say, hi, how are you? Nice talking to you. you know, he just says that our baby's dying. Oh. And I says, What? And um, he went on to tell me he, he was recovering from cancer surgery and was his wound had opened. It was a terrible mess mm. and he had a brace that, so he wouldn't twist. Mm-hmm. And um, so he was stuck to, about reading and watching television. And he says, I'm watching Romania just now and there's a revolution there and there's, there's babies dying. And I says, Dad, when, and why are you telling me this? That's not my business. You know, I, he says, oh, it's terrible. I said, well, I'll send someone at the Red Cross or something. I'll, I'll, don't worry about it. So I kind of put him off. The next night, the phone rang again. There are babies dying. And I said, Dad, look, you're sick. I'm busy. Leave this thing alone, for goodness sake. And after a few nights of this, he says, I'm, I can't sit here any longer. I've got to go. I've got to go. And I'm thinking, oh, my. He says, if you won't go with me, if I die in the way, it's your fault. <laughs> Honest to goodness. And I thought to myself, oh, dear. I said, oh, behave yourself. And... um Found my way home to Scotland. The, the local press had written about cancer-stricken pastor to go to Romania. And all our town started bringing us bags and bags of clothes. And, and Cross and Blackwells was a, a canning factory. It was in, in that town in Scotland in those days. And they gave us five tons of food and it just exploded. So this is the late 80s, early yeah. 90s, right? Yeah. And, and Romania, the communism had fallen. Ceausescu was, was gone. Absolutely. yes. And the country was in turmoil and the orphans were suffering. Yeah, we were there two weeks after he fell. And, um, and uh, we asked this church, you know, any orphans? No, there are none. And my dad says, I'm watching them on TV. No, there aren't. And um, what they did was they emptied our truck and used all the stuff up and then told us where the orphanage was. Oh, no. Yeah. Wait a minute. You drove a truck from from Scotland Scotland. to Romania? Yes. I didn't know you could do that. Oh, yeah. Across the English Channel, right across. (laughs) I can give you all the countries if you want. And we, yeah, drove, drove all the way there and they emptied our truck. And then they says, oh, yes, we found an orphanage. And, um, all I had left of the whole 
truck. It was like a UPS double truck. It was a box of powdered milk. And I walked into this place with my dad and the smell of human waste. I can, whenever I talk about it, I can still remember it. And I dropped the box and I ran outside to the van that I was driving and um, with the truck and the van. And my dad came in and he says, get in there. I says, no, I'm not going back in there. I says, you wanted me to take to Romania? You're in Romania, and I'm not doing anything else. I'm done with this. He says, don't you embarrass these people. They live like this. I says, Dad, I am not going in there. I says, if I stay out here, I'm innocent. If I go in through those double doors, I'm guilty. And he grabbed me by my neck, and he started hauling me, and he said, well, you are going to have to be guilty. Uh. And that's how I, I walked in the door. And it changed my life. The injustice that I lived in this world of luxury and ease and an airplane right away, babies are living in hell. And it, it, it just, it's fried my brain and I've never, 25 years later, I'm, it's like the first time. I know you still see it. W- oh. What do you see in your mind? Oh, well, the baby's rocking. They've never been cuddled. And so they rock themselves all the time. And the, all the cribs are put end to end in these rooms. So be a crib, another crib, a, a, a place to walk, and then another crib, another crib, a place to walk, double cribs. And they all stood and they rocked because they'd never been cuddled, never rocked by a mother. And they self-comforted themselves. And all the cribs clanged together, bang, 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 bang. Mm. And you'd walk through and it was like a concentration camp. And um, it... it Forever changed my mind. Emaciated? Oh, starving. Oh, starving. All covered in their own waste. Every, everywhere, human waste. Was it they didn't care? Were they overwhelmed didn't with the care. numbers? What? They didn't care. Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. And um, I, I, I left as soon as I could. And the next morning, I, I couldn't sleep all night. And the next morning, I says, Dad, went to his room. I said, I'm leaving in 30 minutes. And if you're not van in 30 minutes, you can come with me. If you're not, you can walk back from this godforsaken place. But I'm never coming back here again. And um, 30 minutes, we were all in the van and unhappily. And we drove 66 hours nonstop back to Scotland. But that was a happy trip, huh? Oh, it was a happy trip. But all the time, God's dealing with me. Yeah. All the time, man. And um, my dad actually had a heart attack in the ferry going across the English Channel. Oh. And he, he, he was in hospital the next day. And all the time... And by the time I got back to Scotland, if I'd had the money and stuff, I'd have got out of the van and back into the truck and headed back. Hmm. Your heart had changed oh, that much? Phew. And I, I was back in the orphanage. I flew there I would, oh, three or four weeks later, and I'm standing in this orphanage, and I'm looking up, and the, the, the roof was leaking, and the smell, and I'm, and I'm crying. And I'm saying, God, please, what can I do? How can, why am I here? And... Um, I would go back and, and I, I took some more money and bought some food and stuff. And I was back the next time and I walked in this room and there's a wee boy standing amongst all these cribs, clang, clang, clang. And, and he's on his tiptoes looking up along the row where people walk. And he's got his cheeks sucked in watching me. And the but Lord, there were dozens of children. Dozens, why, why that one? I don't know. I have no idea. And I looked and the Lord's voice spoke. Clear as I'm talking, he says, that's your son. And I went. And I had two kids. I have an older son, Philip and Melody. And I preached on only two kids anymore. You're selfish. You can't educate them properly. You can't spend time with them. Look you were at happy me. with two kids, Dear huh? Dear Lord, look <laughs> at me now. i got kids coming out my ears. And I, um, and, uh, I went up and I picked him up. And he was, he was naked from the waist down, covered in waist. And all around his head was raw pus. 
from lice and, and disease, and I picked him up, and I says, I, I know, I know you don't understand what I'm saying, but I'm coming back for you. You knew, yeah, I absolutely knew, and uh, I, I kept going back and visiting him. I brought him an apple, and he ate the whole core. I mean, I've never seen like a, like a like a peeler. He just ate and ate and ate and ate and ate and ate and ate until the until the seed popped out of his hand. And um, I brought him a candy bar, and he just shoved the whole thing in his mouth, starving, starving. And uh, when I, they, they 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 didn't give the kids water to stop them going to the bathroom in the in the in the cribs. They withheld water? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They didn't have water. So the, it, the first time I had a Pepsi, I managed to find a, a liter of Pepsi in the black market. It was like gold. And we took him in the car, my wife and I, and he, he found this bottle. And she opened the top and he sat with a, a little kid, baldy head, shaved with, for lice. And he's got this thing up and he glugged the whole thing down. Oh. No water in his body. Oh. And he had... He had um, Terrible uh, parasites in his stomach. So after that first encounter, yeah. meeting eyes with him, you went home and you had to tell your wife. I mean, she's <laughs> well, back in America. Can you and- imagine? I'm the guy with two babies. I mean, I've, I can preach on this stuff. And I walked in the kitchen door and I says, um, would you like to have another baby? <laughs> and she looked at me and says, what? And I took out, I, I got this little black and white picture of him, maybe an inch, two inches square. I still have it. It's in, it's in some of our books. And I, I, I says, him. I says, the Lord told me to adopt him. And she picked the picture out of my hand, looked at him, and she stuck it in the fridge, and she says, I, I. She said yes. Yes, just like that. <laughs> and um, a few weeks later, we took her over, and uh, in a miracle, we were there. We went, we went to find his mother, and we thought it would take a week. And we ended up staying three weeks, but when I left, I, I took him with me. And, um, he's you must not, have gone with a pocket full of cash and ready to. I went. I went broke. I went completely broke. All I was going was to find his mother and get permission to begin the process. And I found his mother, and she helped me go to the to the the um what you, the notary, and we signed paperwork. And the next, I said, "Well, let's try and do one more thing. Let's try and do one more thing." And by the time twenty one days was out, God had made a way where there was no way. Mm. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I was, I'm now an American citizen. In those, in those days, I was a green card. And uh, so I went to the American embassy and I says, hello, I'm, my name is Philip Cameron. This is my wife, Chrissy. I'm Scottish. She's Scottish. We've got two kids waiting for us in America. And I've adopted this boy and, and I need a visa. Right. Yeah, that went over well. And the man says, what are you doing here? I says, well, I need you to give me a visa. He says, are you British or American? I says, I'm British. He says, well, get out of this embassy. This is for Americans. And I'm outside, and I'm thinking, oh, my Lord. And I'm thinking, what have I done? And we finally got a visa. The, the British government gave me a visa, and I was driving back to Vienna to get on a plane to take him to Scotland. <laughs> and 10 to 4, I'm, I drove, and I said to Chrissy, I'm going to the American embassy. She says, what do you mean? So I found it was in the fourth floor of the Marriott Hotel in, in, in Vienna. And went up the stairs, walked in. I says, my name is Philip Cameron. I'm Scottish. And the, the, the guy that met me says, get down the back. Huh. So I went round the back and there's a Marine standing. And I run him into this back area. And this guy, Bruce, was waiting. And he says, what did you just tell my colleague? Hello, my name is Philip Cameron. <laughs> my wife, Chrissy, we've adopted this boy. And he started screaming at me through the window. No. You're a fool. You're the biggest fool I've met. Do you know what you've done to this boy? He's not British. He's not American. He's in limbo. There's nothing we can do for him. And this was after three weeks of, of, of as much tension as a man can stand. And I put my head down 
And I heard him screaming at me through this thick glass. And then I heard him saying, there is a way. And I looked up and I says, what did you just say? He says, we are scared that people find out the loophole you've just discovered. Mm. He says, there's a thing called the mercy clause. I says, what? He says, there's a committee in Washington, D.C. that meets. And if they decide that your boy's been through enough, they can give him a visa. And that's what happened. And that's what happened. I wish we had time to tell more of this story. But tell me, now, he is uh, now 28 He's a, years 28, he's a college graduate, and he married one of the girls from Stella's Voice. Coming up, we'll get the full story of Stella and Stella's house from Philip Cameron here on First Person. We've recently updated our First Person website to make it even easier to find and listen to past programs in the audio archive. At firstpersoninterview.com, you'll be able to scroll through the archive, or why not subscribe to the program through iTunes and receive each program automatically downloaded to your computer or MP3 device. You'll find us in the podcast section of iTunes. Look for First Person with Wayne Shepherd. My guest today is Philip Cameron. Philip is the author of They Call Me Dad. He's the founder of Stella's Voice. There is so much to tell of your story. (laughs) I I wish we had double the time here and more, Philip, but we'll have to skip a lot. But we started in Romania with God turning your heart towards the orphans there and all you did for all those years in Romania. But eventually... You crossed the border into Moldova. Now, tell me the story of Moldova. Well, Moldova is the poorest country in all of Europe. It's a, a horrendous place. Um, the highest percentage of alcoholism in the world. In fact, I was watching David Letterman one night, something I don't do very often, and he was m- making fun of Moldova being the, the drunkest place in the world. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I know, I know something more about Moldova than you do, mm-hmm. Mr. Letterman. It's a sad place, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, very sad place. Brutally poor. I mean, in Kishnau, the capital, you can get McDonald's and Pizza Hut, and you go a mile out of there, and there's no streets, street lights, there's no sidewalks, there's no paved roads, indoor plumbing, nothing. And um, these people live on the point of desperation. Alcohol has a horrendous toll on families. Most all the girls you've met are related to alcohol somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the girls who live at Stella's, at house, Stella's now. house. We'll get to that part of the story. But tell me, you, you started working with orphans in Moldova. Yes. I, I, my father called me. The same phone rang. Don't stay in Romania. By this time, we built a warehouse and trucks and stuff. And he says, don't stay with the team in Romania. Go to Moldova. And you said? I says, where in the heavens Moldova, Dad? <laughs> he says, I'm looking at the map right now. It's not far away. Just like that. <laughs> not very far, my, but. <laughs> my, my dad had, a, my dad had a, a saying, why have a dog and bark yourself? <laughs> Woof. <laughs> and uh, so he sent me off. To, I, I drove across the Carpathian Mountains in a blizzard. The hairpin bends. There's, in those days, there's no guardrails and, and there's no snow plows or nothing. And I'm thinking, I'm going to die in these mountains. But I didn't. And I got to this place called Hinchest and walked in this orphanage. And it was a handicapped orphanage. And the British press had reported it as the dying rooms of Moldova. Mm. I walked in and talked to this old old man, the director. And his opening line was, have you ever seen a baby freeze to death? And my stomach turned. I said, no, sir. 11th of December. He says, 16 have died so far this year. Literally. Lit- froze freezing to death. to death. Froze to death. One night, seven of them died in one night. While in their beds? While in their beds, yeah. He says, one night they brought all the beds together in this room, and they brought all the kids, and they put carpets off the floor, curtains off the ceiling, uh, the, wall, the windows. And in the morning when they peeled out, oh, seven had died. Handicapped girls. 
some horrendous messes of of different handicaps and um so i I walked around this place and and uh i just i wanted to escape i wanted i've never been so desperate to get away from somewhere but you couldn't leave i couldn't leave and so i finally said i must go and the director said we want to sing for you i thought oh lord more time I'm just thinking with time and the windows are broken and you can literally feel the jet blast of ice air through the window the holes in the windows no light bulbs no toilets nothing in this place I mean nothing devoid of everything and um I says, he says, please we will sing for you so they sang some Romanian songs and, and the Lord starts saying tell him I love him tell him I love him I'm thinking, oh, how can I tell him you love them living in this kind of hell how do I explain to an orphan that's freezing to death that God loves them? Are you kidding me? And I'm having this argument with the Lord. And after I said, well, okay. So I started singing in Romanian and English the best of good. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. And I'm embarrassed. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, what, you know, I almost felt like I was a liar. And um, there's a, there a pause and they started singing back to me, this is the day, in Russian, this is the day that the Lord has made. They knew listen, that song? Listen to the next line. We will rejoice. And be glad in it. And I, and I, all the time through the orphanage, I'd said, think of this as a video. And I, I shoved my hands deep in my, my coat. It was freezing cold. And I'm just saying it's a video, it's a video. And I'm looking at babies, you know the babies they call water, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the, I forget the proper name yeah, for it. Yeah. And, and bed sores, oh, honest to goodness. And I'm saying it's a video, think of it as a video, Philip, it's just a video. And um, when they started singing that song, the Lord said to me, yeah, if you won't touch them, I'll make them touch you. In the front row, there was a big girl called Stella, paralyzed on the right-hand side of her body. And she became my friend. She loved perfume, and I'd bring her all kinds of samples of perfumes. And, and before we are finished, I'd stink and she'd stink <laughs> perfumes. How old was Stella? Well, when I met her, she'd have been 14, 15 maybe, 14. And uh, I, I kept going back and helping them and bought them beds in a van and I, I bought coal for their for their boiler and no one ever froze to death again and um, so I, I got involved in other orphanages and Chrissy came over one time and I says I, I, want, to, I want you to meet I want you to meet Stella your wife came with him yeah. my wife okay. Chrissy so we drove back to Hinchester the orphanage is maybe 40 miles from wh- where we were working and uh, I walked in, and usually she'd run and meet me, and she'd you know hug me, and 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 she never came. And I, I looked around the place, and I, I finally bumped into L- Doctor Ludmilla. She's still there, this woman. And I says, "Unde Stella? Where's Stella?" And she kind of laughed. She says, "Morit, dead." She just said it yeah, just glibly like a, in that tone of voice. Morit, almost like a flippant Morit. And I says, "What? What? How?" HIV. HIV. And I had, Wayne, I had no idea about trafficking. I never heard of it. It's, it's, it's the cause du jour right now. So when Stella turned 16, she, like every, every orphan, child has turned, every orphan has turned out at 16. Gets a bus ticket. Even Stella, who was Even handicapped. Even Stella. Now, some of them are just 
in that orphanage are just so broken they, they can't walk or they can't do anything. But she was she was put out, okay. and um, she died in a place called Transnistria, which is like a, a, a rebel part of Moldova. She was trafficked. Trafficked, yeah. She was. She was, she was murdered by beasts, oh. and I failed her. I absolutely failed her. And I was I was working in another orphanage. And uh, they, they were 16. And I, that's when I realized, oh, my goodness, all these girls are going out as well. So I found a house and begged, borrowed, and stole money and, and built, finished. It was, it, was un, it was unfinished, so I finished it out and uh, took all the girls in this orphanage that had called me. They were, they were the ones that said to me, what do your own children call you? And I said, they call me dad. And he says, can we call you dad? Oh, that, that's another whole great yeah. part of this story. And I, and I couldn't abandon girls that were calling me dad. So yeah. we moved them to Stella's house, uh, uh, this house. And I called it Stella's house after Stella. Hmm. And we now have five girls' houses and a boy's house and that orphanage. And um, we, when a girl comes to us, she gets a place to stay. She gets a family. She no longer is an orphan. She's my daughter. I know how deeply Stella's death affected you. Oh. Were you angry? First at myself and then the devil. And I, I, remember, I remember talking out loud to God one day and I said, God, I promise you this. As long as you give me strength, I will make the devil sorry he ever laid a finger on Stella. Mm. And my, my dream, should time and resources allow me, I want to build sellers houses all over the world. You've built several. Yeah, we, we're we're up to five now in Moldova. Yeah, in Moldova, and um, I will build a sellers house wherever a girl needs it, and I will make the devil regret he ever touched my friend. Philip, we have just a minute left. Why do you keep doing what you do? What keeps you going? I don't know. I don't know. It's like it's like every day is like the first day. I see the miracle that's happening in our girls, and I think if I can just get one more, if I can just find one more, one more, one more, just one more, and um, we're up to five houses at one one at a time. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Now that I know more about Philip Cameron and the ministry of Stella's House, I hope we can do even more to find ways to help them in rescuing young orphans from those who would use them in human trafficking. They have several projects underway, and you can learn more about them by following the links on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Also, Philip's book is titled, They Call Me Dad, How God Uses the Unlikely to Save the Discarded. We'll also provide a link to the book at firstpersoninterview.com. Our website has recently been updated to make it even easier to listen online. The program is also released as a podcast on iTunes, and you can subscribe at no charge. Just go to the podcast listings in iTunes and search for First Person with Wayne Shepherd. Subscribe to have the program available for automatic download. It's easy and free of charge. In addition to our webpage, you'll find us on Facebook and Twitter, and there are buttons for both at firstpersoninterview.com. But you can locate us directly on Facebook, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview, where you can interact with other listeners and leave a comment anytime. That's facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Next week, our guest will be author James Patterson. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard, inviting you back next week for First Person. First Person.